Support comes from Empower Missouri's Week of Action with in-person and virtual advocacy training for affordable housing, criminal justice, and food security initiatives, March 25th through 28th. Registration at empowermissouri.org WOA. From St. Louis Public Radio. This is Politically Speaking. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Rosenbaum, a political correspondent with St. Louis Public Radio and the co-host of Politically Speaking. Earlier this week, I produced a story for St. Louis Public Radio about the challenges ahead for Missouri State Legislative Redistricting Commissions. Because they're split evenly between Republicans and Democrats and require at least 14 out of 20 members to approve a map, not many people believe they'll succeed. But one optimist in the process is Farrakhan Shigog. He's a St. Louis County Democrat who is serving on the Senate Commission, and he spent some time with me explaining why he believes there's a chance for agreement with his GOP colleagues. The first question I asked Shigog was pretty straightforward. Why in the world did you want to be on this commission? Interesting, because we know that this this process here, this redistricting process, I would, and I was thinking about this last night, Jason, this is as equivalent to the founding fathers drafting the Constitution or drafting the Declaration of Independence or something like that. Uh, and the reason I say that is because this process right here is so, 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 so important for communities across the state and across America. As you all know, the U.S. Census completed. Um, it, it tells us, obviously, how many people are in the country, what population shifts are, and things like that. But that is also um, helps us determine legislative districts and uh, where these legislative districts, districts are going to be. But at the same time, um, this redistricting process, it also um, helps identify and direct us on what resources, what funding, what priorities, um, um, what is going to be the state government's priorities for the next 10 years, what infrastructure is going to be needed, what health care is going to be needed, what education um, services are going to be needed. Um, this redistricting process is important, and I wanted to be a part of this because everything that we're living are going through right now, the conditions, the situations, the environment, everything was all decided by a person or a group of people or a group of judges 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So the decisions that we're making right now, our children and our children's children will have to live through our decisions today for the next 10 years. So if you ever have listened to me on this topic, I am been very publicly pessimistic about whether these commissions can come up with a map, primarily because the threshold is really high. You need 14 votes in a 20-person commission that is split 50-50 among Republicans and Democrats. Is there any hope in your mind that you can actually come up with something that's going to reach that threshold? I think it is. I think everyone who I serve alongside with on the Senate Redistricting Commission are individuals that understand the need for us to ensure that um, these redistricting um, uh, lines and maps are fair, equitable, and balanced. 
Also, I think that we have a really, really good chance because everybody seems to understand that that, that even though the U.S. Census, it was plagued with COVID-19, it's always plagued with individuals not participating in the census and not turning it in. And I also think that everybody understands that that representation really, really, really does matter. And it's, it's, it's quite unique for me to be in this situation and then to have a conversation with an individual from the Boo Hill area of Missouri and they're talking about poverty, they're talking about miseducation, they're talking about lack of health care services, they're talking about need for infrastructure repair for roads and sewer systems and things like that. And I say, hey, those are the same kind of things that we have going on on the east side of the state in St. Louis, in the urban area. So so to know that there's individuals that are like-minded like that and have the same genuine concerns as our area, it makes me think that we have a compromising spirit going into this commission. So I have not looked at each Senate district, but I imagine that some in the St. Louis area are going to have to change just mm-hmm. because of population loss. Like one example is the city of St. Louis lost population. Mm-hmm. So you could still have one Senate district fully contained in the city of St. Louis. And then the one which I'm in, the fourth district, which is primarily St. Louis city and has a little bit of the county mm-hmm. is going to have to grow, I would say pretty substantially into the county. And then the 14th and the 13th districts, I think lost population. So they're going to have to change too. Um, is that kind of what you're looking for? Like, you're going to have to make changes. They may not be radical changes, but they seem like they're pretty significant ones that could impact what these current districts look like. Am I reading this right or am I am I off base? So you're absolutely right. So the state of Missouri um, constitution dictates what is the population size of each Senate district. And so at the at the end of the day, the numbers have to come from somewhere. So if the fourth senatorial district have lost population and we see that there's a population growth in other areas outside of the city that may um, that may very well be in St. Louis County, then we would definitely have to get those numbers from somewhere to make an equitable size um, Senate district. At the same time, we know that um, the city of St. Louis, as you said, Jason, city of St. Louis did lose population, um, and it shows that that population shift shifted to St. Louis County. Now, even though that we had a shift in population in St. Louis County, but St. Louis County also lost population as well. It just, while while receiving city residents, it still lost overall population. (laughs) So with that being said, regardless, it's a ripple effect. If we, if we have to, if, if the 14th district, for an example, needs 2,500 voters to, to put it within this, this constitution uh, mandate. And just, just for our listeners, it's either like 1% deviation are like 3% deviation depending on certain things in the Constitution, which I'm not going to get into into because they're very (laughs) granular. But I think that if you divide the state by, I think, 34, Mm -hmm. it's around 180. So you can maybe have a district that has, I guess, 179,000 or Mm -hmm. 183,000, depending on how things go. Plus plus or minus 3%, Three percent, I right. believe. Exactly. Plus or minus three percent. So, with that being said, so if we if we pull those twenty five hundred from one Senate district, then 
is going to have a ripple effect for all of the other Senate districts because the numbers have to come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. So if we pull if we pull numbers from here and place it here, then we got to ask ourselves, okay, well now what are we going to do with this void over here? Where they're going to get those numbers from? So then we have to look at the population trends of not just St. Charles County, St. Louis County, St. Louis City. We may even have to look further south, going into the second congressional district for mm-hmm. that for that matter. Yeah. So I've been really fascinated with the whole concept of minority representation in St. Louis, especially black representation. Um, I think it's a really complex issue that doesn't necessarily get divided on Republican Democratic lines. Like I did an entire piece for NPR about the first congressional district, how a lot of white Democrats wish that district didn't exist because they feel like it makes the second district a lot more Republican. But a lot of black Democrats feel like it's necessary because there's a longstanding history of I'm just going to say it racism Mm -hmm. that has prevented black people from obtaining high office. I think that 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 dynamic comes to play here a little bit, too. There could be pressure from Democrats or Republicans to to shape districts in ways that may not fall along traditional partisan lines. I imagine you have some thoughts about how you're going to approach this idea of minority representation, even though it seems like a minefield of complications. I've been interested to hear your take on this. So one thing, so I was in, we was in Kansas City last night, and at that Kansas City hearing, an individual came up and said he was totally shocked and surprised that majority of the individuals in his community had no idea that redistricting was taking place. Mm. In fact, when he described his specific community in Kansas City, he described a community that's exactly similar to St. Louis, North St. Louis, Mm -hmm. where the community is impoverished, the community um, have a low median income, the community are just going through violence, ramp, you know, all types of negatives in the community. And when he said that to me, I paused him in his in his statement, and, and if you want to look at the recording, this on the website. Sure. But I stopped him, and I said, you know what, man? You know, this is why we are here to begin with, because the fact that we have individuals in our community that is not aware that redistricting is taking place, and this process right here decides what is the funding priorities for the next uh, 10 years, that indicated to me that it's a problem. And that also speaks to the fact that how minority representation is key to educating people about this process, Mm -hmm. not every 10 years, but even in the years in between Mm -hmm. and even before the the, the census even comes. So minority representation, specifically black representation, has been so key and so crucial to this region and to this state. Why? Because African-Americans in the St. Louis community, we've had the representation but have we had the collective ability to use our political power heavy enough to influence legislation and policy to benefit the african-american community of which we know have been disenfranchised from various services of government? i would say the answer to that is no just because there has been so much infighting mm-hmm. um i i mean I look at Kansas City, for example, and I'm sure that there's infighting amongst the African-American political community there, but they have a black congressman, they have a black county executive, they have a black mayor, Mm -hmm. and none of those places are majority Mm African-American. They have been able to build real tangible political power by being a lot more cohesive. And in St. Louis, where there are lots of places where where there's a majority African-American in places like the city of St. Louis, it's been a real struggle. Mm-hmm. And I think it's all because 
there's a lot of competitiveness. And you know that firsthand. Yeah. You you ran for the House in, uh, in, in 2018. Yep. Is that basically what you're talking about there, or am I, am I, am I uh, out of school, essentially? Well, the... The, the minority, the black districts in St. Louis are heavily, you know, the, 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 the black voters in North St. Louis votes for who they want to vote for. Mm-hmm. It's the candidate that is out there in the streets, out there in the community, um, knocking on doors, um, constantly being available and present inside of the community. I don't think even if it's a even if it's a white, I don't think black voters are as gullible as most people think that we are. Uh, just because a person a person is black doesn't mean that that they automatically get the black vote. Mm-hmm. It's about the quality of that representation. It's about the quality of that leadership. Um, and it's about the quality of that candidate speaking to the specific interests of this disenfranchised community of which you're seeking to represent and ask for my vote. So I think this process really comes down to um, um, prioritizing agendas and prioritizing those who can effectively um, um, demonstrate leadership capacities in our communities. Now, one of the re- I was when I was talking with uh, Mark Ellinger, who's the chairman of the commission, he's a Republican, he's very optimistic you all can come up with a map. And I think that maybe one of the reasons why there's a lot more optimism in the Senate commission than the House one, like there's no optimism the House commission is going to come up with a map, is uh, you're, you're only, you have 34 districts and you have more people to work with. And there's frankly just less areas of contention. Like you can't really draw a, a district in, I'm just going to say, south central Missouri that's going to be Democratic because mm-hmm. they're voting 70, 80 percent Republican, just as you know, whatever you draw for districts in North St. Louis or North St. Louis County are going to be Democratic, too, because they just vote that way. There are going to be points of contention, though, in mm-hmm. places like Springfield, Kansas City and maybe yeah. Western St. Louis County. Is for that sure. kind of what you foresee, too? There as is. Well? There is, because because a lot of those areas are are kind of purplish. Yeah. You know, so so it's like uh, some are blue, some are red. Um, you know, I know I know some I know some Republicans out in St. Charles County that that vote in alignment with Democrats. Mm-hmm. Right. But they're but they're registered Republicans. Oh, and I'm sure that there are <laughs> actually Republicans in the city or the county who vote in the Democratic primary because yeah. they that's the election, basically. Yeah. But continue. Yeah. Um, so I do see areas of contention um, also in St. Louis County, the areas where. The first congressional district meets the second mm-hmm. congressional district, um, how we're trying to figure out exactly where we're going to get these additional numbers from. So, yes, I do see multiple areas of contention across the state, especially St. Louis, Kansas City and also uh, Springfield. Not well, Columbia, though. Sp- Springfield. And I'm going to explain why. And I, 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 the reason why not Columbia, though, is it's pretty much fait accompli that that district is going to be Boone County only. And some would say that that is like a win for Democrats because Boone County, even though it has become more Republican, still is Democratic leaning. So mm-hmm. that could be an, an opportunity for the Democrats to pick up at least one seat. But who knows how the rest of the map is going to go? It could be canceled out for by sure. another another seat. Do you share Commissioner Ellinger's optimism that there can be bipartisanship on this when the parties have such different ideas about what constitutes advantageous redistricting like are you optimistic too and if so why so 
I am optimistic. And one thing that made me optimistic was this past was this past hearing that we had this past weekend. We we've made it clear that when we are counting the population, we're using total population. Right. Versus the voting age population. Yeah, and that was so, a, that was a big issue during the 2020 ballot item. But yeah. there's nothing in the amendment that says you have to use voting population. Correct. It's just possible, but it requires Democrats to adopt this standard that's almost universally reviled amongst Democratic politics. So I don't see a way forward for that unless your side of the aisle says – you know what, we're just going to do voting population instead of total, which I think Mm-mm. to say that there's a 0% chance of this would be be generous. Is that fair to say? So I would say the total, we all, as commissioners, we all agreed. Well, we are totally using the total population, not the voting age population. That's what we as commissioners have all agreed um, to be uh, in alignment with what specifically the Constitution says, which is total population and the reason why is because children mm-hmm. immigrants individuals who uh, are not a voting age now but will be within the next year or the next uh, two years or so let's also uh, discuss college students st louis is a college town um, kansas city is a college town springfield is a college town and all of these students and individuals who are in these areas they're spending they're spending their dollars they're paying taxes they're buying homes they're buying apartments they're using our they're using our gasoline paying the gasoline tax and so forth and so by using total population we are able to include in these re- redistrict uh, maps and lines everyone represent every human being um, represented in these areas that's it for now if you want to find all of st louis public radio's coverage of missouri and illinois redistricting go to stlpr.org i'm jason rosenbaum and thank you for listening From St. Louis Public Radio. This is Politically Speaking. If you have a smart speaker, you have access to the entire world of NPR and St. Louis Public Radio. All the latest news and all the captivating stories. Activate our voices with yours by telling your smart speaker to play St. Louis Public Radio.